was a man who leads a life of danger. Johnny Rivers, Secret Agent Man. One of the great ones. Can I just tell you all the songs that guy has? Like, yeah. Just amazing. Poor Side of Town, Mountain of Love, Summer Rain, Memphis, Secret Agent Man. And the guy has never been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But Travesty. Yet, the Go-Go's were. Well. Not that I'm anti-Go-Go. I think we just found a new campaign to work on, Devaney. And your and your uh, your favorite band from the '90s, the Foo Fighters. <laughs> well, you know, well well earned. Foo Fighters did had some good songs. They had uh, Nirvana's drummer, right? They did, Dave yeah. Grohl. Yeah. Um, Secret Agent Man, I thought was kind of appropriate because of our guest that we'll be introducing here in a minute. Who we who did we talk to this week, Devaney? Uh, Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally. That's right. Who's had it just an, just a really well, number one, he's he's a great leader, but uh, number two, he's just had a very interesting uh, career, and he, we're going to talk talk about that with him today. Yeah, we 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 touched on several subjects, including him having to wear a wire. Yes, in his early days in the legislature, um, him playing lacrosse, <laughs> goalie, even up to a couple years ago. Yeah, which is um, pretty amazing because that's a tough sport, and just kind of his general view on. Being, you know, in in the minority as a Republican, being a, you know, now being the lieutenant governor of the state and just the, the, the switch from Democrat to Republican in the state overall, talked about some of his uh, political heroes. And it was a really great interview. We appreciate his time. Yeah, it was good. What's been going on this week? Well, I tell you, since our last uh, podcast, we've, we've had a sea change in terms of COVID. Um, the CDC came out with a pretty, uh, pretty surprising announcement last Thursday right shocked. after we went to air to that they yeah. say if you're vaccinated you don't have to wear a mask pretty much anywhere indoors um except airplanes and airports and things like that but uh they're trying to get people back to normal I guess yeah it just seemed to be like a total 180 from everything they've been talking about for for months and in my view it just sort of underscores why people don't necessarily trust what they're hearing right because for for a year, well, first off, we heard don't wear a mask from the top leaders like Fauci, and then we heard wear a mask, and now we're and now they're doing a total reversal. It's just uh, and not everybody's vaccinated. I, I just well, thought it was very interesting. You know, it it, it continues to uh, a couple things. One, obviously, it shows that. The idea of trust the science um, is more of a political slogan than an actual thing. Part of science is always testing hypotheses and changing it. So changing is a good thing, um, but you know we've we've kind of had a lot of dogmatic um, attention to uh, just some federal government bureaucrats rather than kind of common sense and other things down the line. Um, but it's it's good news overall. I I feel like we're kind of moving in the right direction. I'm I'm no, here in Atlanta. It's, it's fine. I, I just just what irritated me about it is just what seemed to be sort of a mixed message. Yeah, you know? I'm down and, here in Atlanta this week. It just and, makes me wonder if uh, if Joe Biden didn't slip the CDC a poll or something. Oh, I, I it seems to be the case. I mean, there there was a massive shift, and you know, as as reports are coming out. Um, I think even the Biden administration is saying that they were surprised by it. That seems to me to be a little bit of spin rather than, um, you know, tried and true factual <laughs> information. But yeah, uh, yeah, no kidding. 
Um, you know, he down here in Atlanta this week and yeah, pretty much going into restaurants and everything, there's still a lot of mask wearing here in Georgia. But, uh, you know, I think Nashville has felt a little more open, probably even more so even before the CDC announcement. Um, so, you know, it, and I'm not it's welcome news. If, if it makes you comfortable to wear a mask, that, have at it. But, right. Um, Just don't look bad at people I wear if a they mask, don't. But that's because I don't want people to recognize me at the grocery store. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they are very fashionable. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so I heard the Republican Party is just pretty much imploding, and it's a total disaster. Well, I've that's what, at least that's what that's what the Washington Post told me. And and we I've talked to several reporters here in Georgia about that very thing this week, and one of the things that has come out of that is, you know, what I keep trying to tell folks is that this isn't really new. You know, party. Parties having vigorous debates about the future and where to go, and um, particularly after a loss like last year, and you kind of have to, you want to take a look and make sure you're um, taking stock. Um, the I would be concerned, more concerned if nobody was speaking up or talking rather than having different voices trying to figure out the next steps. Um, and yeah, I, mean, I mean, goodness. We've had, like, the Republican Party... And the Democrat Party, but I, I'm more familiar with the Republican Party skirmishes. I think that what's, you know, we have, look, it's not imploding. We have the majority of the legislatures. We have the majority of the governorships. We're actually setting policy and at the state level, which is really is where the rubber meets the road. And yet we have some skirmishes on the federal level. But, you know, as we were talking just a while ago, that's nothing new, man. Like no. What what happened in 1976? <laughs> I mean, we had the Ronald Reagan trying to, you know, take take over the convention from from Gerald Ford. Yeah, the sitting I mean, president. So you know, um, it's just it, this this kind of thing's been going on for a for a long time, and that seems a little more tumultuous, Devaney, than trying to than kind of ousting have... uh, one person out of the third. Right. ranking thing in leadership yeah, in the right house. yeah seems a seems a little hyperbolic to me but uh that's that's just what we're dealing with with the national press these days oh it's fine they have to have something to write about that's right that's right well what do you say should we get to uh our interview with the lieutenant governor let's do it all right coming up next is uh chris devaney and i's interview with uh tennessee's lieutenant governor randy mcnally Joining us today is Tennessee's Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally. Um, he is uh, what 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 number Lieutenant Governor are you? You're the I'm the let's see. He's the third and, Walker. The th- <laughs> Come on, you got to read your history books, man. The third overall uh, since 1971, I believe. Right, the third yeah. since 1971, but yeah. overall in history. Oh, the th- oh, oh, I have no idea. Yeah, well. It started in in 1951 when okay. the legislature made uh, or gave the title of lieutenant governor to the speaker of the Senate. So uh, I don't know exactly how yeah. many how many they've they've been, but uh, as far as Republicans, I'm probably only the second. You are the second Republican. So, yeah. so we were looking through the you know, yeah through that's the where list. I got hung up on that. Um, yeah. You know, there's. Uh, there's only two Republicans in the history of our state to be lieutenant governor uh, throughout right. throughout history. You and Ron Ramsey, so pretty elite company there. Yeah, good company. <laughs> That's right. 
Well, again, thank you for yeah, joining honored us. Honored to have you here today. Delighted. Yeah, and we're uh, we're at a conference room uh, on the seventh floor, the Cordell Hall building, where the legislature uh, meets, and right by uh, the lieutenant governor's office. And um, just a, just a great to have you here today. You know, we're we're gonna just we want to talk a little bit about people know who you are and people mm-hmm. know you know your policies and we might get into a little bit about that but they might not know a lot about you yourself like i didn't i forgot this but and i think people when they hear you they'll, they'll know that you're not from Massachusetts. if you're from massachusetts <laughs> but you're not a massachusetts guy right no my dad was uh at that time was teaching at mit and i was i was born I guess when he was finishing his doctorate and uh, then he got a job with MIT and then he was hired by Union Carbide uh, uh, when I was four years old to come to to Oak Ridge Tennessee which uh, at that time they had completed work on the on the atomic weapon and were working on the hydrogen weapon and uh, he worked in a in a field of spectroscopy Wow. was his field and then he went into uh thermonuclear uh science and did that uh towards the end of his career and had about a a 40 year 30 or 40 year career with U- union carbide and martin marietta that's amazing so he was part of all of that of the of that research team to to create the you know all the nuclear nuclear uh, weapons there he w- Worked on research with fusion energy, which wow. which was uh, a new thing. And actually, the hydrogen weapon was a fusion weapon. But what they were trying to do is harness that energy where it could be useful uh, in making electricity or in, in powering things uh, because it was much more efficient and, and much... Uh, uh, I guess there were less byproducts created uh, when you when you used it, and uh, you didn't have to deal with the radioactive elements like pl- plutonium and and uranium and things like that. Wow, we we liked we've talked Oak Ridge on this on this a podcast a couple of times. We yeah. like to talk about it. I mean, people a lot of people just don't realize what a what a what a great resource it is for our for our state, but really for our, our nation. I mean, it's it amazing what goes on over there. It's one of the top research labs. And in addition to the the lab, uh, originally when I went there, they had two other facilities uh, that employed a lot. One was the facility where they manufactured the components uh, for the weapon and the other, Y-12, and the other was K-25 mm-hmm. where they enriched the uranium. Unfortunately, now we depend on France, I think, for most of our enriched uranium. I went and visited K-25 one, one time, and I just remember just the size of that building. It was just Humongous. huge. And they had to, you know, it, it took a long time to kind of tear down each part of it because of the enriched uranium in there. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it was just this massive, massive facility out there in the middle of Oak Ridge. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, the people, a lot of people rode bicycles inside the facility because it was so big oh wow 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 so you were elected in the late 70s to the state house mm-hmm. 78 and uh, came yeah. in with lamar alexander and uh it was an open seat 
and there was a little bit of division in the local Democratic Party. It was a Democratic well, That was a district. swing county, really, yeah. a more more Democrat, right? It was. Yeah. It, 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 I think about all the county officials were Democrat, with the exception of one, Patsy Steyer. Okay. And uh, a Democrat state senator at the time, uh, Baird. Yeah. And uh, Buzz Elkins was elected to the to the uh, Senate as a Republican, and I was elected. Uh, there was a pretty big swing when Lamar came in. They, a lot of people were fed up with what went on with the Biden. corruption and the yeah. yeah, the payoffs and that thing. So you kind of made a a name for yourself. I, does your family pay bingo much around your house? <laughs> the reason I say that is because you. You were involved. You were a, a key figure in, uh, I think, the scandal had to do with bingo lobbyists, right? They it did. To, uh, originally. In the it, 80s. It did, and it, it was expanded. Uh, Operation Rocky Top. Uh, yeah. It went on for about three years and it, uh, as an undercover operation and uh, finally came out in, in 90, and my part began in, in 86, in February of 86. And uh, I think it was in very early 1990 that it, that it was uh, the, some of the cases were announced, and uh, the uh, there was a lot of corruption in the Secretary of State's office, and he was the one in charge of regulation of bingo, and it seemed that the chief regulator was in bed with the lobbyists, not literally. Uh, they lived next door to each other in South Pittsburgh, and so they had a good relationship and found found a way that they could uh, make a lot of money by uh, setting up uh, using other people's charters in some cases and setting up bingo operations because you had to be a charity at that time to play, mm -hmm. and there were certain rules, and of course they violated all the rules because they were the, the they called it the association or the one of the FBI agents referred to it as the cornbread mafia and somebody <laughs> came to you right to offer you some money or something and, and yeah, you just the, like I can't I, I can't let this happen it it wasn't a direct offer but it was one that made me concerned enough to contact law enforcement and when I did uh, both uh, the FBI and a TBI agent had sort of been sharing information. They, as they said, as they told me, there was a lot of smoke but no fire. Mm. And they thought, because of the pressure I was putting on the Secretary of State's office for information, that if I just told them I was satisfied with what they were doing, then, then they might reward me, uh, which they did. A couple of weeks later so uh, and it was sort of not exactly a campaign contribution we d established that over the phone in a conversation that was recorded but it was uh, you know it wasn't meant to be reported it was meant for me to put it in my pocket mm -hmm. and of course also the Secretary of State's office was the office in charge of all the uh, financial disclosures and mm -hmm. campaign contributions and all that. So uh, they had a, a good thing going for them. Wow, there. wow. 
Because you wore a wire during this, right? And you know, there was... for probably about a year and a half, I guess I I did. Wow. And, uh, it was uh, it was it was interesting. I could I couldn't just wear it all the time. You had to, you know, if somebody came into the conversation that wasn't somebody who was i think they called it predicated then mm -hmm. i then i had to turn it off and try to leave the conversation as soon as i could wow wow I mean, there's been some crazy things happen um in the state before that and um i mean i guess that you realized that you were putting your life on the line so to speak to well uh, the it, the agents, the TBI and FBI agents, had done such a good job that I felt extremely safe. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, uh, and in fact, my wife, after it was over, told me that she really appreciated the way that they they took care of things and uh, looked out for me and made sure that nothing happened to me. And uh, uh, I know. Dave, Dave Coffee, Coffee, who was mm -hmm. a representative, yeah. we, he joked one time we were about to get in the car in the garage, and he said, "I'll wait here, and you go ahead and start." <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want him as my bodyguard. <laughs> but, uh, oh, he was just kidding around. I, I know. Sweats. I like David. He's a good guy. Ignition sweat yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they they did tune up a few people. Uh, uh, yeah. as, and you know there were charges of assault battery and that type of and actually kidnapping they took a one of the operators who was skimming from them uh you know it, it was it was funny a crook was taking money from the crooks <laughs> and uh they took him out and beat him up and and uh wow. so he was he was actually forced to go out in a car with them and go someplace and get tuned up a little. So they uh, they were charged with uh, kidnapping. It, it was one of the charges. Did uh, you ever like question why you got into this at that point? You know, you're kind of like, man, what is going on here? Well, I did, uh, and because it wasn't a real direct offer to me, I think uh, I think what made me concerned was that the lobbyist for the association the bingo association said something like some of the people get their money at campaign time and some of them like to get it a little a little here and there and it was a little here and there that caused me concern mm. and in in going to the agents you know i was always afraid that you know maybe there was nothing there and i was uh you know crying wolf when when they're there wasn't anything and but it it turned out that they had heard of other things that were going on and uh, uh so uh you know that i agreed to help them which i thought might be a couple of weeks at most but it turned out to be a, a lot longer because wow. there were other th things involved in addition to bingo and other lobbyists and that type of of thing going on wow wow you know you at that time you were a republican mm -hmm. super minority yeah now you know, we've got kind of super majorities like what tell us about that that transition of that time well, from being in the minority to being the leader of, of of the chamber it was certainly a sea change in 
I came in as a freshman Republican, and I, I guess in that position I was probably lower than the janitors they had <laughs> in the Capitol because the Democrats were solidly in control of both the House, the Senate, the go uh, for a short while, the governor's office uh, until January, and uh, the constitutional officers. And uh, it was, you know, there wasn't a lot you could do. Uh, and gradually that, when I went to the Senate was the year 1986 in which the Democrat majority decided to oust Speaker Wilder and he, uh, I think, I think it was Carl Cola and Ben Atchley approached him and told him that that they had 12 votes uh, and there were 12 Republicans if, that would vote for him if he decided to stay and that meant he only needed an additional five votes uh, for uh, if he, of course, he's going to vote for himself. But. Right. So it was seventeen sixteen for wow. for a number of votes, and uh, I think the Democrat majority tried uh, former Senator Riley Darnell. Uh, then they tried uh, uh, Carl Moore, who was from up in Upper East Tennessee, because there was three new senators from that area. And then they, I think, even tried Jane Eskine and mm. finally went back with Riley, and it uh, it turned out that it was 1716 he lost. Wow. Oh, Darnell well, did. Yeah. That's interesting. He became Secretary of State. Yeah, Riley he Darnell. did. He yeah. did. Interesting. And I, was, I always liked him. He sat behind me in the house, <laughs> and uh, he was he was always – uh, he was a fiscal conservative and, and did very well and uh, as uh, one of the officers on the finance committee and uh, I had a lot of lot of respect for him and he was straight up I mean he wasn't involved in any of the mess that was went on hmm. that's interesting um, so you play lacrosse uh, well I did the last <laughs> time I played was a shootout for soldiers game, and it was in uh, May, I think of. Well, that's not very long. Twenty nineteen. That's not very long ago. No, lacrosse <laughs> is a tough sport. It is. How they, in the, they're probably not hitting you as hard as Lieutenant Governor yeah. when, when you were playing a few years ago. <laughs> well, they, <laughs> you know Graham Schaefer. He was the one that got yeah. me into it, and and uh, in in one game. Uh, he was on one team and I was on another. We had divided up, and and somebody asked him, uh, "What about the the older fellow? Should we take it easy on him?" And Schaefer said, "Heck no." Well, <laughs> he said something else. He said something else. No. <laughs> he said, "Go ahead and go after him." <laughs> so I I enjoyed it. They uh, we. For a while, we played out at NBA. They had a, uh, I think it was a twenty and up league. Uh, they had various leagues summer for summer lacrosse, and uh, I enjoyed it. It was it was a great game. And, goalie, uh, yeah, goalie's your position. Played defense and then played goalie. Man, wow. that's awesome. You, it's a tough sport. Well, I I had an advantage over 
a lot of the goldies in that I took up more of the gold than most of them. Well, <laughs> I would not want to get hit by a lacrosse ball, I can assure you. Yeah, they get up to, uh, of course, the college people can put them in at about 90 miles an hour. Yeah. And it's it's a hard, hard, hard ball. It's not like a yeah, tennis yeah. ball. Yeah. No. Man. <laughs> it's not. And you're not wearing much padding either. That, no. That's, that's, uh, that's something. Um, you know, what not I, in the summer. <laughs> no, <laughs> you you yeah. give up padding for comfort. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about Oak Ridge a little bit, an interesting tidbit, and we talked with this with uh, Speaker Sexton as well, but you and the speaker went to the same high school. We did at yeah. different times. Was it different times? Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, he had just graduated from UT, and he was looking for a job, and I hired him. Uh, to run one of my campaigns and it was a rough campaign and he did a great job has there been any effort from oak ridge high school to like bring you two together and have a meal just just an amazing story that both of our house and senate uh you know leaders are, are from the same high school it's just fascinating yeah uh they've they have not but uh they might listen here. in and yeah i think <laughs> we have an idea here i'm glad you mentioned that i forgot that he ran he he worked on your campaign yeah um and so, like Cameron, you know, he was a he was a campaign staff guy and all yeah. that, and now yeah. he's an elected official, he's speaker of the house. Uh, you you didn't do anything like that. I mean, what got? I don't think that, how, how did what what got you involved in politics? Uh, when I was in Memphis as a, doing my internship in in uh, farms pharmacy, uh, I, I I always had an interest in politics because we did a little through at the university mainly it was the fraternities and sororities that did the politics and mm -hmm. and I was involved in in uh, an officer in one of the fraternities and did some of the politics there and but I had I always had an interest in in history and politics and uh, when when uh, Governor Dunn decided to run he was a dentist in Memphis and head of the Shelby County Republican Party. Right. I thought that, you know, a Republican from West Tennessee uh, who was popular, which he was, could get a lot of votes in West Tennessee and then East Tennessee and was Republican, so it would uh, lead to his election, which was, uh, I was about half right because there was a split in the Democrat Party. Uh, that was when uh, Hooker was uh, yeah. their nominee, and the old guard did not really like Hooker that much. And right. Of course, they didn't like Dunn, but they, I think so, some of them stayed at home <laughs> and didn't participate. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, and uh, after that election, I was kind of hooked, and, and uh, I ran uh, some campaigns for oh you did bill brock and okay, and wow. uh sorry and, uh, i didn't know that okay one of the ladies that ran and i forgot her name for she was a republican she ran for public service commission uh and uh, uh got beat uh but uh then that seat opened up keith bissell ran for public service commission and uh so i I ran and probably would have gotten beat, but uh, did a lot of door-to-door, -door, and that's really what saved me. 
I had a group of advisors, sort of kitchen cabinet, and at, right after the primary, they told me, you know, that the only way that I could win it was get out and knock on doors, and and I did it and worked. Yeah, at it the same time. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that hasn't changed. You know, yeah. in the hundreds yeah. of years of politics. We kind of got away. You doors. know, we kind of got away from it. Not necessarily at the legislative level, but we kind of got away from it a little bit. And now it's even at the national level, it's all coming back. Yeah, people realize that the only way to really connect is like knock on the door go see somebody that's right it's a lot harder now because a it lot is. of times people aren't at home right that's right and what yeah. I, yeah you know you ran as a republican what, who who are some of your political heroes why why did you why, why are you a republican well uh of course winfield dunn and uh senator baker mm-hmm. and uh I, I admired them uh a lot and uh they were kind of the heroes that I had and uh, then uh, the one Republican office holder in, in uh, Anderson County, Patsy Stair, uh, and she beat a very popular incumbent and she only beat him by, you know, knocking on doors and he, he went around and attended all the meetings and, you know, was there at uh, all the chamber events, which she was too, but he didn't knock on any doors. <laughs> it matters. It does. Yeah. Anything, uh, anything crazy happen on your uh, first campaign? Any good? Uh, I don't want to put you on the I spot, woke. but you know. Well, I woke a fella up. Uh, he was working the the night shift, and uh, he was a little. Uh, well, he was quite agitated at first, but uh, <laughs> it, I found out that it's not what you really say to them and what you talk about. It's what you, if you listen to what they have to say yeah. and react to that, it's a lot. It's a lot better and ask open-ended questions and that type of thing. So uh, it was some skills that I learned in in pharmacy. Uh, you know, out in dealing with patients, and so it easily transferred over to politics. And it's good advice for podcasting too. I, yeah. I, look, open-ended I mean, I, questions. I, are, I have are seen good that. For that. Like the, I always thought the talkers, like if like when we were recruiting candidates, for example, and somebody came in our office and all they did was talk. Yeah. Like Bob Davis at the time, you know, we worked together. I look at Bob and I go, I don't. I don't, I don't know, know about that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. You gotta have somebody that like when they knock on the door, they might want to listen just a yeah. little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we just finished session. Um, you know, the state's in pretty good fiscal health. The state uh, overall seems to be coming out of the COVID crisis uh, fairly well as well. What What are some uh, what are, What are some of the accomplishments that you guys are proud of having come out of session? And you know, kind of where Where do you see the state going over the next few years? Well, certainly. The biggest things, the appropriations bill, and we did have a lot of additional revenue, more than we expected. And when we drilled down on it, we found that it uh, it was due in large part to items that were purchased that probably wouldn't be purchased again next year. Things like boats and RV vehicles and cars and. Uh, houses and appliances, that type of thing. So uh, because of that, we were able to put money away, uh, not spend it, 
it'll be there next year and possibly the year after. And we also built up the rainy day fund, but we did things like we took recurring revenue and used it to spend uh, for expenses that were one time. And we were able to do a lot of maintenance on state facilities. Uh, we were able to do some buildings, uh, particularly with, in higher ed. We were able to purchase a lot of equipment for TCATs. And so those are one-time expenditures and uh, it's uh, it was a good a good way to you know keep some of the revenue uh, so it, it you know if next year things dip down a little bit we'll be able to to still stay strong and also it'll look good to the bonding agencies when we go see them but uh, certainly the appropriations bill was the probably the biggest and toughest thing and when we pass it things quickly come to an end <laughs> so, <laughs> there's not much yeah. left to argue about after that but uh, the the governor had some good initiatives with uh, prison reform uh, also speaker Sexton uh, had uh, truth in sentencing uh, particularly for those violent sex crimes with uh, involving children or adults even and so uh, that was that was good you know it kind of balanced the the prison reform and everything mm -hmm. uh, and uh, of course we did a lot in education and provided the teachers with a substantial raise uh, it uh, of course, what we do is raise the the BEP positions, and not all teachers are covered under that. Uh, but those were were probably the the main things that that we had accomplished, and uh, it was it was a good year for the governor. It was a good. I think uh, Cameron really really stepped into the the role that he had, and and. Uh, really did did great and uh, I expect a lot of good things to come from him in the future. You're talking about the future wh wh where do you see our state headed? Well I think I think Tennessee is is very uh, is fiscally very strong and I think businesses look at that when they decide to come in and we're uh, I think you'll see ten you'll see you know, people wanting to come to Tennessee because of the environment and because of the low taxes and because of the fiscal position of the state. And uh, I think it, it, it has a, a bright future. Uh, I certainly wouldn't say this as a legislator from Illinois or New York or California. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not sure what they say. <laughs> well, you know, probably. Uh, I would. I would hate to be at, at the at their uh, ECD department for sure. Right. Well, that was something the governor mentioned when we talked to him. Was you know those states are kind of being uh, rewarded by the federal government right now by mm -hmm. kind of having this out of control spending, and we're kind of doing things correctly and really not getting uh -huh. the, the fair the, the correct amount of federal funding although obviously they're 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 seemingly printing with reckless abandon on all fronts these days but uh, and dc yeah. yeah that i mean that eventually will cause uh, uh 
either a recession or inflation and then a recession uh, because you can't just keep doing that and uh, it's 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 unbelievable what the what they're doing and mm-hmm. in many cases it's counterproductive uh, for example with the additional money and additional time on unemployment uh, you walk around a downtown area and just about every store that's still in operation will have a sign up that says help wanted yeah uh the industry is is really hurting for workers and uh, a number of states uh, including tennessee have turned down the additional 300 dollars, and uh hopefully it'll get people back to work but that's the one complaint i hear from folks now is not about the mask or the vaccine or anything but it's uh you know we need to get people back to work and yeah. uh there's opportunity but they're just not fulfilling the opportunity it's definitely going on yeah um grocery store i was in yesterday they had seven positions yeah advertised on the on the front door right when you walked in and it's like that and this is a chattanooga it's like that everywhere all throughout yeah yeah the whole town I mean, it's crazy. It is. It is. Um, so we ask everybody this. We ask Cameron this. Um, in your district, where would like if I'm driving through your district and I need to go eat lunch, where are a few places you might might recommend? Where's some favorite Anderson County. Yeah. Well, it it depends on what you want, but uh, you know. Well, for, I'm a simple guy. For, <laughs> for like a, let me turn this thing off. For like a. If I can figure out how to do it, All right. for like a an evening meal, a uh, place like Calhoun's in mm-hmm. in Oak Ridge, it's right on the water. You have the uh, Olympic size rowing track, or it's not a track, but whatever you call it. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Course, I think is what they call it. Uh, Big Ed's Pizza. He's, I was gonna say Big, Big Ed's. Ed's. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah. He's a former. Didn't it, did it close down at some point and then it's reopened? Or that's right. It has. I think it's only doing takeout right now. Uh, Dean's. Uh, it's uh, upscale meat and three that you can't go wrong with any of the uh, ten or twelve things on the menu. Uh, you know, chicken and dumplings, fresh vegetables, uh, salmon. Uh, he 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 does a great job in the the soup kitchen. You know, they have sandwiches and and soups and salads. Uh, But it just sort of depends on what what you like. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. What's that far? Isn't that a pharmacy that there's like some political events that go on there? It's like a maybe I've got my town confused. Or it might not be there anymore. Dean's, uh, before it was Dean's, it was. Jackson Square Pharmacy. Okay, that run, must be what I'm thinking. Run about. by the McMahons for years and years, and okay. then they they closed closed down and sold the building, and Dean converted it to a restaurant, and it's really done well. In fact, I think that's where I think Cameron's coming up tomorrow, and we're going to eat it, have lunch over at Dean's. Okay. Oh. Maybe we'll sneak over there. That's some news right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go, uh, it's, it's, it's great. Just a, the Oak Ridge High School reunion happening at the uh, at Dean's. <laughs> it is. At least two of us will be there. <laughs> well, um, 
thank you for your time today. Well, delighted. Uh, delighted. Thank you for it's, thank you for your uh, for your courage to put yourself out there too, for the state. Thank well, you for yeah. serving our state. I mean, yeah. if you you're you're you know we're in such a good position because of what you've done. So we appreciate it. Well, I had a lot of good mentors over over the years, and certainly Douglas Henry was was one of the best, and uh, he was the one that kind of trained me in finance, and and uh, really appreciate him. And uh, of course, we lost him, and uh, recently we had his uh, viewing in the Capitol, which was the first individual in a long time, and then. Just last week, we had Thelma Harper, yeah. who's uh, the first black uh, individual, uh, and she was the first black female senator nice lady. Uh, that we ever had. Yeah. yeah, she was very good to work with, but we uh, we had her uh, receiving a friends in the Capitol, but she was a, she'll be missed. People like that, you know, you, you really miss them. Ben Ashley's and and Tom Garland's and and those type individuals, Riley Darnell even. Yeah. <laughs> he was he was uh, he when it, a lot of the Democrats back then from West Tennessee particularly were fairly conservative financially, and uh, then the their party just kind of left them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I don't know what that was. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a good cue for us to wrap it up. Um, well, thank you all for thank doing you, sir. it. God, it's been, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was a pleasure it's working a, with you when we were in the Capitol in the governor's office. It's right. Just, uh, it's, uh, it's an honor to, to, to be with you and honor to kind of hear, hear some of your take on, on where we are in the state. So we well, appreciate it. We've had some great governors, and certainly Governor Lee and Governor Haslam fit the, fit the mold. But... I guess as far as tough times, Governor Lee certainly has had the toughest of any governor I've been around. There's been a lot going on over the last 18 yeah, months. There sure. have. Mm-hmm. There have. That was Tennessee's Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally. Really enjoyed with... that interview. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I think we're obviously pretty fortunate to have some really strong leaders in our state. I think obviously it's shown – how he uh, is committed to our fiscal health and keeping the budget in check and making sure that we're we're in a good position and I think a lot of our good news and a lot of our continued um, you know kind of state excellence you mentioned the bond ratings and other things that are important to him um, are in large part due to, to to his and and others leadership in the state yeah you know, I mean you could you know what a color colorful um, past and history yeah and, and he knows so much, and, and, the, and the, the state Senate has changed so much since he's been there, you know? He's seen a lot of changes yeah. in the way it operates. So I just thought it was fascinating. I, we could do a two-hour podcast on the Operation Rocky Top. I guess I didn't realize the the potential danger he was in. I just kind of thought he was kind of wearing a wire and this and that. But, I mean, it was actually very— uh, very uh, very dangerous at times. Yeah, yeah. He he put his life out there. And, yeah. Um, just and uh, did it again just, playing lacrosse. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, with a <laughs> with a hundred with a. You ever you ever held one of those lacrosse balls? You do not want to get hit by one. Oh yeah, and they're <laughs> flying those things in college. And he plays miles an hour. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it shows he's tough both in the legislature and outside of it. 
So we got another tough one, uh, tough ombre coming up uh, next. Yeah, next another week. another athlete, as it were. We another have athlete. Uh, uh, Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs. We're gonna be we'll be on the podcast next week. Yeah, uh, um, I'm looking forward to talking to him. We've got uh, we've got some really interesting leaders in our state right now, and Glenn Jacobs is is right on that list of uh, folks that people are keeping an eye on, and uh, you know, just kind of seeing how he's leading Knoxville through various. Um, crises and kind of learning what it's like to to be mayor after not really having been in politics before. That's right. It, it's it, I think it's going to be an interesting interview to see how he transitioned from professional wrestling, uh, where he was a star as Kane. That that was yeah. And then and then to run for county mayor, which he he won, but it was a very narrow win. Uh, but people seem to be coalescing around him in in the county, and um, and he's been thrown into some pretty challenging times, you know, with the pandemic. So we'll, we'll get into that with him next week. I think I'm going to ask him if, uh, if he foresees a, a presidential run with the rock in his future. That's a good question. (laughs) We'll see. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you all listening. How do, Um, how do, how do people find, uh, find us Walker? Well, that's a good question. We're on the web at poplargroup.com, Twitter at poplar group. I'm on Twitter at Walker UT Go Vols. At former You're chairman. At former chairman. Which I, I established um, that handle as a joke, kind of, and and yeah. uh, and now I can't get rid of it. So well, it's it's uh, it's a good one at least. Um, but uh, we're 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 excited to continue to do this, and we're hearing really positive feedback on the podcast. We appreciate all of you guys listening, um, and we look forward to next week with uh, Mayor Jacobs. Until then, everybody have a great weekend. Thank you. There's a man who leads a life of danger To everyone he meets, he stays a stranger With every move he makes, another chance he takes Odds are he won't live to see tomorrow